All right. Let's get this started. I'm going to fucking light this thing. Little Copal. If you're smelling along at home with us. One day they'll have smell-o-vision. That'd be cool. The smell-o-vision was a thing already. It was? Mm-hmm. What happened to it? It kind of went the way of, like, the original 3D and all those things. Like, there was a lot of gimmicks that uh, mm-hmm. that the studios were trying to get people to go. Oh, yeah. I the remember theaters. the first time going to 4D and, like, feeling like something was breathing on me. And I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. Oh, 4D, that, uh, the Transformers ride? Yeah, and then you get, like, spit on by, like, dinosaurs and stuff. You're like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> things like, f- they have, like, little things that come and, like, touch your feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. But why do 4D when you can be in 5D? <laughs> I like what you just said. I, I was, you were like, uh, we're going to just tell people stuff they already know. But they, but we're going to remind them. I think that's a that's a pretty good description of what we do. Yeah, I, I like, uh, I'm excited about this podcast. Uh, I'm excited about all of them, but this one feels particularly fun for me. Maybe I'm just in a happy place. Yeah. Having a funny time. You feeling good? Yeah, I feel great. You feel inspired? I do. I th- I think um, we talked about this on the last podcast, but sober November has actually been a welcome. I, don't, I wouldn't say reprieve, but a welcome like energy shift. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny because I what I'm realizing is that I don't really have a problem with any substances, but it's really nice to like see how you function without them because you need a certain formula. Mare was saying this to us the other day, um, that you need a certain formula. And like when you add something, you kind of have to add something else. So if you smoke weed, you kind of have to add some caffeine. And when you have some caffeine, you then kind of have to smoke weed. And then it kind of, it's like a balancing act. But I I found, you know, the week of not doing anything. I'm like, I'm great. I'm getting up. I'm going running. I'm feeling alive. Yeah, totally. Our, our temples appreciate the, the little bit of a break from that cycle. Cause that's all it is. It feels like, uh, yeah, a lot of days, like we'll get up and like, it's like, we'll take Kratom and maybe even have like a little black tea or something like that. And then I'm already running so hot besides that. And then when that shit hits me, then it's like, uh, you know, I end up smoking weed early in the afternoon and then got to balance that out. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to necessarily be beholden to anything like that. So it's been nice. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. We have fun. I like, I, for a second it was like oh no are we about to have a lot of not fun yeah and the first day <laughs> the first day you know it was like fuck are we gonna be yelling at each other and shit are we gonna be like up each other's on each other's ass and it, it wasn't it hasn't really been like that we're like halfway through this month already and i've smoked weed i have i smoked weed a couple times on yeah. two occasions and both times it felt like fucking acid yeah And it wasn't like, oh my God, I have to break. I can't sleep tonight. It was like, this is just, this is what would make this day super fun. And we only, you only YOLO, you know what I mean? (laughs) YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We were up at my parents' house celebrating my little sister Katie's birthday and they're like, oh, you're still doing that? How's that going? Like, like sober November or whatever. And I was like, it's, it's going, it's fine. And they're like, you're not doing anything. I'm like, no. And they're like, so have you have you learned anything? And I'm like, I've learned that I really don't have a problem. <laughs> like, I really don't. I don't have a problem with weed, that's for sure. 
Yeah, because we even smoked one day because it was just like today was it was it was seventy five degrees. We were up at this sculpture park. It was just kind of like let's take this over the top. Why yeah. not? Yeah. And then you just do it, and then you're like, all right. The next day you pick it up. You're like, okay, I'm not smoking weed again. And it's not like oh shit, I broke this sobriety pact. It's like oh, yeah. this month is like a more sober month, and mm-hmm. you get to like define your own rules and be conscientious about your choices, and. I don't know. I'm kind of grateful that we're like, oh, we didn't throw our hands up and say like, oh, well, we broke, so we might as well not keep it up. Oh, no, no, not at all. I think that's something that actually, um, like, I noticed growing up uh, around AA, my dad going to AA. Um, that, that's a thing that I think doesn't really serve everyone that, like, oh, I have I have 10 days sober, I have 10 months sober, I have 10 years sober. Like, to me, and I think my dad was very much like this feels like a like a tightening of the tightrope yeah like you're further to fall like you kind of like getting you're going up the ladder and so you get kind of nervous because you're like whoa i'm like 10 years up here yeah yeah totally i I think it's something that actually um for some people i i think that the program the way it is works for a good amount of people yeah obviously obviously um but i think for some people that level of sobriety to where you're you know to the day when the last time you did something was it's too all-consuming it's too defining it's like you have to put on this additional mask now of i'm the guy who has 10 years sobriety and um i i can't really speak to this from personal experience i can just speak to it from what i've seen when my dad when my dad slipped after seven years, it fucking destroyed him because he just kept saying like, oh, seven years down the drain, you know, all, all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, who, who cares? Let's just mm-hmm. worry about today. Let's just mm-hmm. like literally worry about this moment, not this huge chip on your shoulder that you were carrying around. Yeah. Uh, I feel that it's not It's like it depends on the person, because for some people, if they do slip, it's like such a big deal. I think we were talking about this this morning, that if you're kind of like having one sip of alcohol for someone could lead them to like smoking crack on the sidewalk like within like five hours so it's like they kind of do have to create this structure where it's like one day at a time you know slow and steady you know Mm -hmm. and then and then they want to celebrate their accomplishments and so it's kind of there's a balance to it it seems yeah i have mad respect for that and I, i think you know what what i've seen um like like what my dad would do is like if he had a if he was if he was doing good with his sobriety for a, say a certain amount of years and then he slipped, he'd be so embarrassed. He wouldn't want to tell people he would start lying. Right. You start lying. It's like you're starting this cycle of isolation where there's secrets, where there's something to protect. And you're holding on to this badge that's like not even representative of who you are. You feel like a phony all of a sudden. And it's, it's funny cause I heard, um, I heard Theo Vaughn, the comedian, talking about this on mm-hmm. his podcast. Uh, you know, he was he was sober for a number of years, and had a slip earlier this year, and was was embarrassed to talk about it on his podcast, but only mentioned it about six months later. And I just I, I really felt for him because you could just see he was really beating himself up over all that time going down the drain, and it's like that time didn't go down the drain. That was like really beautiful healthy creative inspiring time like don't write all that off because you had a drink 
Well, and that's where we had to kind of unpack the shame that we had about being like, okay, we're going to smoke today. You know, for a second, we were like, okay, it's an awesome secret. We're just keeping a little secret. And, oh, then, yeah. and then it's like, I'm like, well, I, I was can't. like, Cass, if you fucking get on the podcast and bust my balls about how we fucking smoked half a joint today. I'm not going to be in a good mood about it. And you're like, no, it's it's okay. I won't say anything. Awesome secrets. Like, yeah, okay. but the thing is, I also can't lie. So it's like... Yeah, that's uh, what you said right before we got on here. You're like, if you're expecting me to lie, I'm like, no, I don't I don't want to lie. I don't I don't want us to lie to each other or our families or our friends or anyone listening to this. It's like... So the sobriety, I know I mentioned this last time too, but the sobriety that's helped me the most is Instagram. Yeah. Because when I get back on there, I'm like, Phew. it's like starts this like cycle where I'm like... Yeah. I'm like a little mouse who wants a cookie, you know what I mean? I'm just going back and back you and back. You can be smoking crack before you know it. Right? <laughs> well, you know, but it's it's not that big of a deal. But when I've – keeping it to Friday, which I highly recommend, not necessarily that your day needs to be Friday. But I even woke up this morning being like, oh, well, I'll kind of wait till even later. I got in there once this week to, like, repost some promotional thing for a friend of ours. But – that's that's small small potatoes yeah small potatoes yeah totally you know who did a um a great podcast about this i don't really know anything else about this dude or his podcast except i heard this one episode um is the actor what's his fucking name dax shepherd oh yeah yeah i listened to him on his podcast he did one called uh day seven or or like seven days or whatever mm -hmm. you know meaning he had just had seven days clean but previous to that, he had 16 years clean and yeah. he uh, slowly but surely fucked up. And when he talks about the process of, you know, all the justifications he would do, because during during the story of him describing these uh, the 16 years of sobriety, he talks about how eight years ago he had a slip, but it didn't count. And he figured out all these ways that it didn't really count because the doctor prescribed it. And he just took a little bit more than what the doctor prescribed. And he really only got stoned a couple nights on, on whatever it was. So he, he had built up this whole story that he was protecting. And not only that, he has this massive audience that's like paying attention. And, and going along with him. Going probably. along with him. Yeah. Their yeah. own journey. So, so he didn't, he didn't uh, count that as a, a slip or a relapse. And kind of kept building off of those eight years until he got to these 16 years in which he, I think earlier this year or a few, or a few months ago, he, he fucked up and it, and things were getting pretty bad for him. Was it I mean, pills or alcohol? Or? Pills. Yeah. Pills. Yeah, I mean, he says that his main issue is uh, cocaine and alcohol, but he got way into pills from some, I think he had a motorcycle accident or something like that. And he, he had a lot of physical pain and this, that, that's where it's, it gets really dangerous is like the doctors will give you something that could end up ruining your life. Yeah. And it's not like they're going to be there for you. They don't give a flying fuck. They're just going to fucking prescribe whatever they need to give you to shut you up and keep you happy. What I've heard from a lot of friends and it kind of breaks my heart is having parents who are on like a prescription cocktail of like Xanax or whatever it is. And it, it creates this like disassociated relationship where mm -hmm. you're, you're the person you're connected to isn't fully present because they're, you know, medicated mm -hmm. and it's, uh, it obviously doesn't serve people. It like serves them because they can operate within society and like put on the smiley face and, yeah. and go to the, um, you know, luncheons or whatever it is, or play all nice and not deal with whatever their root issue is. Um, but it like kind of fractures relationships. Oh, totally. 
my my upbringing was like an extreme version of that so my when my dad was medicating it was so obvious it was like it was literally like interacting with his shadow mm. like it, it, it was like it was not there like he he was not there it's like his his physical body was but he looked like shit and it it, it just wasn't him his essence was was robbed it was somewhere it was it, it was gone nobody was home and you could see it in his eyes and of course like when you're growing up when you're a child of somebody like that you take it very personally yeah yeah i think i think you know about that like yeah i was just thinking i'm like for my dad it was alcohol and he's like one of those like high functioning people who like just when he does drink he goes too far you know what mm-hmm. i mean so he's able to like go weeks or a week or a month without drinking but when he does drink it's like he always takes it a little too far yeah he doesn't have that switch in his head but i remember just being like you're a goddamn not to his face but like energetically like you're a monster like this isn't you Mm. like i had to it never changed how much i loved him or cared about him um but i just i definitely had to disassociate and be like okay when he's had that much to drink like that's not him it's like a possession it's a demon possession you're being possessed and you i mean for that reason you can really forgive people and love them despite their issues but it's so clear that you're not dealing <laughs> with the, yeah. the humanity in them the person that uh you love and care about but that but there is something raw and real about it because your guard does come down in a way where you can kind of get like it looks really ugly but these deep truths of like oh i hate myself or you yeah. know, I, f- I feel like a disappointment and like that's the kind of stuff that only come out when you're maybe feel comfortable saying those things because of everything that's going on. But it's also that's not who you are. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. I It's it's tough, though. It's it's really it's a fucking hard thing to deal with because I, for me, at least it wasn't until I was an adult and dealing with some of the things that made my dad medicate that I could have true compassion for him. Mm, like what What do you mean? Getting out in the world and, and being like spit into this rat race. Where you're like, wait, what is going on? Yeah, where you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, oh shit. Like I could see why you'd want to, why this would be overwhelming, why you'd need to medicate, why you'd want to run and hide. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's hard to relate with that when you're a kid. It's really Because everything's perfect when you're a kid. Yeah. You got both your parents. They're taking care of you. You're just like, your job is to like go to school and have a fun time and hang out with your friends and like not take life too seriously. And yeah. and everyone takes care of everything. Your meals, your shelter, your, yeah. you know. And it doesn't make sense. You, you can't, you, you couldn't, you, you can't relate with them. You can't relate with why would you want to drink so much? Yeah, like, like this place would, is awesome. Yeah, why would you want to check out? Yeah. Like I, I. I couldn't relate with it. I couldn't understand it. So it was like constantly beating my dad up about like, just clean up, just clean up your act. And like really shame and blame all that stuff to, to try to get him to break that cycle. And it's just not the way to do it. It's just not. So as an adult now, I understand more. I don't think I have nearly the pull towards addiction and reliance on things like that, that, that he does. And I can even see it when I bring around anything I bring around. You know, if if I give my dad MDMA, he has a great fucking time, but he wants it the next day. Yeah. That I'm not like that. I'm like, that was a good one. Yeah. Let's fucking, let's look forward to the next good one in four months. 
Yeah, because it's so clear that there's something genetic and in your brain, but it's so clearly like a result of trauma and disconnection. And, mm-hmm. and as we've come to better understand that it's like an environmental response in a lot of ways is giving you a lot more compassion. Also understanding of why maybe your dad has gone through some things in his life that would make that uh, more appealing to him than you don't. You are, you're feeling so connected. You're in a, you know, yeah. you have your parents who love you, you know, and all these blah, 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 all the different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think what we're all doing is just trying to get from the world the what the love we need. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's that's really hard for some people who were never shown an example, maybe from their parents, what unconditional love was. So they can't feel it in their heart. They don't feel safe here. They don't feel at home, really. Right. And I, I see I can't relate with that. Like my dad grew up in a way where he was cut off from unconditional love. He was treated like his parents were very strict on him. They were like, there there wasn't a lot of smiles. It was like very unforgiving type of. Uh, yeah. His mom had him when, he, when she was 18. Like yeah, yeah. So it's a whole different thing. A lot of shame before she was married. Oh yeah. A lot of shame. She felt awful. And I think my dad was just, uh, just always the example of uh, her shame and and the things that have gone wrong in her life. Yeah. A reminder of that. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets spit out into the world and he's, he's desperately trying to find the love that he needs to make himself feel at home here. And there's lots of ways of going about that, but going down the path of drugs, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's been too easy for him. And that's why it's been so alluring his whole life. You know, he'll still fuck around. I wouldn't be surprised if he fucking still fucks around. See, to me, drugs don't seem easy because when I look at them, I'm like, your wife is yelling at you. Your son's yelling at you. Your daughter's yelling at you. There's nothing easy about that, you know? Yeah, but we have no idea the level of pain and anxiety that that person's going through. Yeah. Like if, if, if me and my mom and everybody looking at him disappointed and begging him to clean his life up isn't. Uh, enough of a motivation to not do it, then you know the pain must be pretty bad. So I'm always just trying to, not only for him but for me, to bring things around to how do I how do I squeeze some compassion out of this? How can I learn about myself from this? How would I want to be treated? Mm-hmm. That that's that's a real fucking thing when you're dealing with with addiction. How would I want to be treated? If I was addicted to this thing and was the only thing that made me feel safe and at home here. And and frankly, and no one likes talking about this, uh, the only thing keeping people alive. Right. Like, we think that heroin's like killing someone, but sometimes it's like, that person's suicidal and that's what keeps them yeah. going. You know, that's what makes them feel connected and gives them that love dose and connection dose that they need. Yeah. Um, and just right now is such a, like, it makes sense that Dax had a, a relapse or Theo had a relapse like right now is like such a time of disconnection yeah you know the bassist of our favorite band recently took his life and sorry yeah. I mean that's public news right no it's just so heavy I don't yeah. even I can't even think about it it's crazy Alec Bailey he's uh the bassist for the band Choking Victim and Leftover Crack and god that's probably the band I've seen most often in my life going back to 1998 definitely some of my favorite shows too yeah like some of that real punk rock yeah yeah and he held it down some of the fucking sickest bass lines i've ever heard in my life he fucking held it down was just such a sweet soul and um he was our neighbor i didn't even realize He, he lived right down the road and um he took his life the other night and it was a 
it was a big shock to the community because, um, like Jake was telling us, you'd never know right. from just following along in his, on his Instagram, whatever he's posting pictures, he seems happy. But then Jake, uh, who's been on this podcast and talked about his struggles with suicide, he says, that's what you do. You cover your tracks because if you're serious about killing yourself, you don't, you don't want anyone intervening. Yeah. 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 You don't. This is really sad. It's just, it's, uh, well, the thing we were talking to Jake the other day and the thing that he told us is that while he's like devastated, he's also like partly grateful that it wasn't him because that's where he was last year. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in that mindset and he like called a friend and was like, yo, I need help. And they got him into a, a facility that where he was able to like work through and do some deep excavation work. Mm -hmm. And there's part of him that's like, thank God I'm still here. And, and hearing that is kind of just like this beautiful reminder of knowing that people go through it and like want to do that, like want to get out, don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. But then they like that moment passes. Yeah. And then there's a moment where they're so grateful that they're still here. Yeah. And that's you know? something you can build off of. Like, I feel like that's what Jake's built his life off of for the past year. Cause it's been about a year since he went through that. He had a whole plan. He was going through with the plan and he didn't do it. And now me and this motherfucker talk every day. Yeah. You know, and he's, he is so inspiring and actually one of the happiest people that I know. And, um, just used is using that whole thing to make art and to write and talk about fucking serving the muse. When you make the, the muse your suicide attempt, and when you're pushing off that and using that to inspire, putting goodness out into the world and positivity and helping other people, that is some very high shit right there. Really high shit. Yeah, we were talking about, we've been talking about this a lot. Like what, I mean, having like a devotional living, but the devotion being to the muse mm -hmm. and realizing that because that's our our lifestyle and, and like number one goal, yeah. it, it's like you use everything. Oh, you use the yeah. pain, the rejection, the um, childhood trauma, the competition, yeah. like the competitiveness of like, oh, someone else is doing better mm -hmm. or, you know, that person doesn't want to hang out with me. That's why I feel like when we thrive the best is we're like classic underdogs. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable unless like I'm an underdog. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty funny. Like even in the, in the film work is probably how we've had the most traditional success. And, and you get to a certain place where I'm like. I don't know how I'm going to stay inspired on top of this fucking mountain. Right. It, it, getting to the top of this mountain was very inspiring. I was inspired to get up here, but now I'm up here and I don't know. I don't know how to operate not as the underdog. Yeah, because you're like, wait. Because when you're the underdog, you have nothing to lose. I think yeah. that's like kind of the best thing about it mm -hmm. is like you're like, all right, well, I can just fucking throw stuff out there, try things and... and what do I've got to lose? I only got up to go from here. Yeah. You know, and that's such a good feeling. And that's yeah. where I think we like can still do this podcast and, and with, uh, it being such like moderate viewership is just like, yeah. we're like, cool, man. Like, Oh, you don't like it? Fuck off. Yeah. We don't like, need it. We don't need you. Well, we do need you to not like it so that we keep doing it. Cause we're <laughs> like, well, all we can do is get better at this thing. And this isn't necessarily for anyone else, except for us to like, be able to get more in our own voice and, try out new things move and energy move energy yeah and that's that kind of feels like what it's all about you know what the muse loves 
is when you fucking move energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll reward you with inspiration every time if you're willing to do the work of, of moving energy. Because all the, all, to me, all the muse is, is it, it's, it's lubricant to make art slide out of you. <laughs> I like that. You know, like, I like it, that image. It, it's gonna, it's gonna try to come out. It's, it, it's it, one of the funniest fucking things, and we've been confronting this a lot lately. Is hearing people say that they're not artists. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that like, doesn't that blow your mind? That means relatable because I've felt that way too. Where I'm like, yo, I'm just. Oh, I'm not creative. Yeah. I don't. That's for other people. That's what other. Yeah. Everyone is an artist. That's what we're here to do. We're here to create and to remind each other. And we get caught in loops of consumption. Well, I'll be honest. The people I see struggle the most are the ones who are in some form of denial about the fact that they are an artist. Or that even that I can tell that they want to be an artist. That they want to own mm. that part of their um, life and expression, you know? And there's yeah. something like caught up and they don't feel like themselves because they're not being themselves because they're not honoring their self-expression. Right. Yeah, you know. and everything is out of alignment, and they'll blame everything else. And when folks like us come along and we whisper in their ear, "You are an artist," and they don't believe us, I almost get excited because I'm like, "Now we're gonna become the muse. I'll fucking lube you up. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna come out of you if you came around people like us. If you're coming into our orbit, this is what we're about. We want to see you express yourself." All right in some way shape or form and it's worth it because mm-hmm. that's how you fucking move the energy mm-hmm. that's how you serve the muse yeah she loves it she loves it our whole life is a result of us serving the muse and and often it's in times that you would so not want to do that so you you know where where um maybe there there's a there's a time in our life where we really want to seek the comfort of financial stability mm-hmm. where we only have like, uh, we're, we're, we're the only money that we have to our name is, is 15 grand. And we go spend that to make a movie called Florida man. Seems fucking insane. It felt insane. Well, in fairness, we didn't know that was all the money we had left. We knew we were running low, but we didn't know how tight we, we were. We didn't know be we didn't have it. next month's rent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But think about what the universe felt by us performing that act of of love for for this the muse that was whispering in our ear oh it comes back tenfold every fucking time every time and when we're like and whenever we try to go about it like traditional means of like all right well we'll do um you know we'll try to play the game well and and try to do something that i mean we never do this but you know try to at least play the game of like all right what do people want to hear or how do we want to approach people it's like yeah if we're not confident and inspired and serving that muse, like it doesn't come back. But even more importantly, what I've been thinking about is that the people that I look up to the most and who inspire me the most are those who serve the muse unapologetically. Oh yeah. You know, they like, I think I was thinking to Jeff, the brotherhood, you know, this amazing band who just puts out all these incredible albums and doesn't, and knows that they have the capacity to be really popular, but then we'll do like, a really like what would you call it just um 
not not poppy album oh yeah like they could write pop hits left and right right they could write number one rock so they're like at the peak of their their career and then it's like and they they go they serve the muse yeah they serve the muse they and they take it in a whole different direction and i feel like that's what we've been doing with our films the whole time and and want to do with however we move forward is like serving the muse isn't serve serving you know what's going to get you the most capital or what's going to be the hit it's like what inspires you right now what gets you excited what lights your fire yeah and the what the beautiful thing also about what lights your fire is you can take that as like um macro um or micro you know Mm. in in like little relationships like each relationship has so much potential if you focus on what within that relationship lights your fire oh yeah you know yeah we've been talking about that lately because a lot of people, um, there'll be a lot of things about them. Maybe, you know, a new being or a new friend or something's coming into your life. And there'll be a lot of things about them that might turn you off. But what I've made it our goal to do is like, let's, even if it's just one pixel of their being that ignites our fire a little bit, that's what we're going to focus on. And that's what we're going to focus on exclusively. And we're going to let the rest of, we're going to let the rest of the stuff that maybe annoys us shed away and just see and and work from that little, even if it's just a little spark, work yeah. off of that. I mean, it's so important because everyone's so balanced. So the stuff that you really like about someone, they're going to have like the equal amount of things that you probably don't like about them. Yeah. I mean, I have, it's in myself, like the things I like about myself, there's like an equal amount of things that I don't like about myself. Yeah. But it's like, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to think about, uh, what this is where it comes to hypnosis to me, self-hypnosis, self-hypnosis, but also hypnosis in a relationship. I was thinking about this. I feel like I may be all over the place, but I'm just going to let it flow. Whatever. <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> um, we're serving the muse. God damn it. Yeah, the other night we were cooking dinner together. And there's part of me that seven years ago never would have thought you would have cooked dinner with me, that that'd be something we were doing together. Yeah. And me too. Yeah. But I realized that that didn't come from me being like, God damn it, Sean. Like, I always have to make dinner. Why don't you help me? Like, blah, blah, blah. It came from me being like, making dinner is so much fun and we can do this thing. And what kind of food do we want? And having a good time. So, by me serving my own muse of like creativity in the kitchen or having a good time or realizing that I'm going to seduce you into the thing that i really feel like i want you to be doing not out of a place of need but out of a place of like yo this is really enjoyable to cook food Mm. and you will enjoy it not a place of like oh i you know you're letting me down because you don't cook food with me yeah you know and i think it's like kind of this this hack within relationships is that like oh if you tell someone all the things they're not doing and you hold on to those things as if it's going to define the rest of your relationship like you're at the beginning of a relationship and your partner like kind of leans on you to do take care of whatever you could either say oh shit this is complain like this is going to be the rest of your life oh that person's never going to do anything or realize that everything is so temporary that person isn't going to be the same person they are for the entirety of your relationship and to Mm. end a relationship because they don't check this one box of doing this one thing that you think you need them to do is like give them time give them space maybe seduce them into it you know i think there's just like a lot of leeway that in our life that has allowed us to us to have a good relationship and to have a good relationship in general 
you know, mm-hmm. um, with, with the world, you know, by not focusing on the things that maybe you're not jiving with. Cause it's just, that would be such like a self fulfilling prophecy and curse kind of thing. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't want to fucking put hexes on yourself or other people. No, no. You very much inspire me, you know, with the, the stuff in the kitchen. That's one thing. You know, you just, you make it look easy. And, and yeah, because I'm so. fucking hypnotizing you. I'm like, come on, that's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And that's the people who, like, those are the, that's what I realized. Like, those are the artists. We talk about this all the time, too, but, like, how artists are artists in the kitchen. And they just want to make things better. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you want to, like, bring it to Flavortown or, yeah. you know. Take dec- it to Blandtown. Blandtown. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're, you very much inspire me. I mean, it's, it started with that kind of stuff and just kind of seeing how you get into flow anytime you do anything like that. But now that you've taken it to painting, I'm just like in awe. I'm in awe that you sit there and you focus for that long. And it, it might not be always pretty because sometimes you're sitting there cursing yourself. Sometimes you're sitting like, fucking, this is so hard. Every but time I'm like, this is it. fucking hard. Yeah, but you're doing it because you can't expect at anything. I wish it were like this. You can't just download these skills. You need to fucking do it. You really need to do it. You're you're naturally um, inclined. Or you're naturally kind of gifted visual artist. But it's I wouldn't taking say so. To, uh, I it, wouldn't say so. Like it doesn't doesn't come out of me easily. Like yeah. I doodled with markers for like however many years and I was like, well, I'm not getting anywhere, but I really like color and I really like cute things. And I'm like, I'm going to put my mind to painting this cute thing mm. and I can see my, I'm not great, but I can see myself getting better. And it's so rewarding and satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you create so much space for me to do that because we've devoted ourselves to the church of chill, Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and you playing music and it's just like when we put on an episode or will we make an episode or whatever, it creates all this space. And in that space, I'm just like, it's like a time talk about serving the muse serving, whether it's like, uh, the colors and the paint and letting things kind of flow or deciding on a thing and just taking that space to, um, to show up in that way when a lot of people do and i think that's like the coolest thing about the church of chill is that people listen to this show and use it to paint um or make some sort of art or maybe be out in nature hooping margo yeah or do some heart hooping god and so yeah can i just take a second to say like big thank you to everyone who um is a patron or on our patreon the very or what is it patreon.com slash church of chill if you want to become a patron but thank you so much to everyone who is one yeah because it makes us feel like this is a thing and it's something that's growing and it's really awesome yeah and i can't thank it enough yeah yeah sorry side note okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm just following your lead it seems like you're the one with wind in your sails right now so i'm i'm with you right now no i just wanted to say that thing yeah What's been making you feel inspired lately? What's What do you feel like yours muses? It's always people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's music. But when I'm impressed by the music, I want to know more about the person. Like, I, I listen to Frank Zappa, and I'm like, what's this guy's deal? Like, how the fuck, how is this here? How did How did this manifest into our reality? Right. 
you you look into what he was all about and all he did was serve the muse yeah yeah he let other relationships other you know it's funny people come off like an asshole when that's all they do that's all neil young did yeah was and does is serve the muse and he might come off like a fuckhead to anyone that's ever played in a band with him anyone that's ever managed him anyone that's ever interviewed him his fans whatever but we're very thankful for the art so we all keep showing up he's for it he's still writing some of my favorite songs oh my god we saw him live uh september ago. 2018 yeah and uh, w- like incredible set like he was fucking blowing our mind but there was one song that stood out in the middle and i remember you you leaning over to me and be like what is this song yeah like we need and to I was listen like, to this again i was like i don't know I, you know neil young has a lot of songs i don't know what this is we look it up on the set afterwards that was he was premiering it that night. Yeah, he had just written yet. that song. I was like, "Good lord, man! This guy's seventy-five years old, and he's still fucking producing things that that touch you in a way that only a person like that that is serving the muse on that level can." Yeah, because it's a discipline. It's a discipline to like cut through all the bullshit and fucking really make someone feel something. And that's what art's about. Yeah. Make them feel something. It's not about accolades and validation and money and all that stuff. That's that's a different set of motivations than what serving the muse is. It's so clear to me that in a lot of ways we're here to create, whether it's, you know, a painting or maybe a new way of um structuring your community. Like there's so many realms in which to be creative, but like that's like why we're here mm-hmm. as people to contribute. Um, in that way. It's what seems to differentiate us from every other thing on this planet. Totally. And what is beautiful about that, and the reason I'm like, yo, start now, do things now, is because I see my mom, she just retired a couple years ago, and she's devoted herself to painting, and it's been like, made her so happy. Yeah. But um, part of me is like, don't wait. You know what yeah. I mean? That's like, don't that's, wait till you're 69 years old and retired, and you got everything buttoned up and tightened and all that stuff, because... The fact of the matter is she probably was never as happy as she is now. Yeah, she always she wishes she started sooner. Yeah. You know, she's like, if only I started sooner, that would have been so amazing. That's everyone. Yeah. Your mom is very talented, but that's everyone. So no, when know. people say they're not an artist, I'm like, you're fucking selling yourself short. How many times do you think you get to fucking take human incarnation? We don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be Sean once. Let's decorate this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Let's make it cool. You know, let, let's, w- without, without fucking the environment up, let's leave some things behind that'll help remind people. Well, it's one of the ways to cut your consumption down is to create. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. You know, whether you're like, oh, I want to, like, make drapes or a dress or a painting or I, I make every, I draw on every birthday card we give yeah. or Christmas card. It's... You know, it, it like uh, forces you to be a little more creative and then you're not buying as much. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a pivotal moment every night around 9 p.m. where it's mm-hmm. like, are we going to go into comfort or are we going to go into creation? And, and I'm and I'm saying like I'm, I'm saying this is a very tangible example. Totally. So around 9 p.m. It's like we did everything that we need to do today. Mm hmm. Um, we could throw on a movie or two and fucking mellow out and just like consume this thing. Or we could do the less comfortable thing, 
which is I'm going to start putting together an episode of Church of Chill. You're going to get the paints out. You're going to start sketching something you're going to paint. I'm going to put the songs in the right order. We're going to listen to them together. I'm going to finish that episode and edit it and put it out. And like a process that takes four or five hours. Same thing with one of your paintings. Every time we do that, those are the best nights of our life. Yeah, by far. And not only that is it's um, when I see someone else more in creative flow, like it's creative flow, whether it's having a good time or making art, it's like catnip for me at least. I'm like, oh, I just want to be around that person. Oh, I'm attracted to that person. Like, yeah. I remember the first time I hung out with Ramin, I was like... I was just going to fucking say Ramin. Yeah, I was just like looking at him like, dude, I'm looking at you like you're a fucking... I was looking at him like he's a fucking sage because he is to me. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He's also our friend. He's also like super modest and for some reason looks at us that way a little bit. Yeah, there's like a mutual respect thing and it's he mutually respects us because... We we pick up where each other leaves off by saying like this is what we're doing and this is why we're here and this is what we're gonna just keep doing and mm-hmm. and yeah yeah go through the rejection go through the fucking self doubt go through the fear go through the existential dread but like all right cool like you you done complaining get back to work kind yeah. of vibe yeah yeah he's super inspirational any musician any musician that's doing it at, in any sort of regular way I'm, I'm in awe of those people because in order to pull back the best things you have to be going there all the time it's, it's kind of like fishing mm. you know you could go fishing once and catch a nice fish and be like wow but if you really really if you get good at that you can do that every time and if, catch bigger fish. And catch bigger fish and more exotic fish and shit that'll feed your soul in a way that you would never expect, but you wouldn't know about if you didn't keep going back. I feel so at the beginning of our journey creatively. And, and I That's think. That's the underdog right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes me excited is knowing that a lot of the artists that I like the most are multidisciplinary, mm-hmm. you know, uh, poets musicians artists you know me puppets the guy fucking does his own album art and yeah i've, I've kind of wanted to be like that myself you know a one-man band kind of vibe but realizing that there's so much you can move so much more energy when you collaborate and how important collaboration is but also that like just because every moment is a moment and an opportunity for creativity whether it's like a, a doodle or how you express yourself or that, singing in the shower. I think. Yeah, I think uh, you work at this enough and you become the art and people get around you and you're the art and what comes out of you and the way you express yourself. And having all those things that you're trying to channel maybe into a painting online and and ready for people at any given moment. Well, you are the art, so what kind of art do you want to be? Do you want to be art that makes people feel good? Do you want to make art that inspires people? Do you want to be art that's colorful? Do you want to be, yeah. you know, there's, it's kind of like God. It's like, you can think you're far away from God, but like you're not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. You can think you're far away from being the art, but you're you're not. You just might not be like the kind of art that you are right now or in this moment, or you might not feel connected to your soul, but uh you are it, baby, you know? Well, that's what it, that, that's, uh, that's what it comes back around to, especially when, 
when when we're trying to constantly like identify the muse it always comes back around to like well it was you mm-hmm. it was you i might i might think it's it's mare like we have a new friend mare i might i might think she's the muse and and yeah she she is the muse taken form she very much inspires me and inspires us and like who knows where this is even going but uh it's it's me really because i'm i'm just seeing in in her something that inspires me to create but the thing i like so much is just something i really love and admire about myself that she's bringing out so figuring out how to stabilize and work with that and not necessarily needing it to always be uh, the muse taking form as people. Yeah, that's why, like, a lot of times when you go through a breakup, you have, like, a lot of grief. It's, like, it's partly because you lost that part of yourself that that person brought out in you. Mm -hmm. The, like, open-hearted, loving, kind, creative, you know, being appreciated in a certain way. And I hate to say it, but the truth is we're all pretty self-involved just by the nature of like how our brains work and how we operate and our body wants to protect itself and take care of itself and feed itself. You know, you're worried a lot about like, okay, if you're hungry, it's going to affect you a lot more if someone than if someone else is hungry, just because you can feel it in a different way. Yeah. And so, yeah, but uh, tapping into that and appreciating that allows you to appreciate people who bring out different things in you, but also not cling to them because yes. trusting that like, all right, one person is in your life right now that's inspiring something. But if they, if their path shifts, like something else will come and, and um, being so devoted to moving that energy or fulfilling yourself creatively. It's like, even when you're going through a lull, you're like, okay, it's temporary. You know what I mean? Like, I just got a little, I got, you got to yeah. like rev the en- engine a little bit or go towards something a little bit or, or be depressed. You know, a oh, lot of people yeah. make incredible art when they're depressed. Totally. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we've had, we've had breakups where I'm like, this person stole my mojo. Like, yeah. imagine, imagine me thinking that that's kind of crazy. You went for like a year of thinking that your of, mojo was gone. Of thinking, yeah, like, like it's gone. Like that, that little sparkle, that thing that makes stuff flow right out of me, that mm-hmm. lubricant is not there. It is rough going. Cause someone else took it with them. Cause they yeah, left. <laughs> they, they took it with them and they told nasty stories about me. And I believe those stories now. And where the fuck is my mojo? But through that all, we're still making podcasts. We're still making radio shows. We're still making films. Some of our best stuff, some of our best stuff. So I was, I was working with something that mojo didn't go anywhere. It was my perspective on it. I actually was making more in the wake of that, in the grief of that, than in the peak of it. Well, and probably stuff that was more is more relatable, you know? Yeah. And probably sharing a part of you that is more relatable because when you are feeling disconnected or sad or depressed, you it's kind of a very relatable emotion. Like we've all as humans felt those feelings and mm-hmm. know what that feels like and also still feel the pain of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be however many years out of a breakup and still still hear a sad song and like let it take you back and let it like connect you to the larger human experience and how connected you are oh, to it's everyone so important and everything. To do that. We had a friend over the other night who's who's going through a breakup and uh she's just like she's she's, she's fucked up over it and I, I get it. But to see even over the course of that night her spirits change from mm-hmm. being around us and being encouraged 
and hearing herself say stuff about the relationship that she would have never said to anyone otherwise moving that energy unclogging the drain yeah. you could physically fucking see by the end of the night she was a different person than when she came in here mm-hmm. because we helped her move that energy and we helped remind her and deflating some of those nasty stories that can get really sticky you know your ego loves that shit when it has an excuse to protect your tender heart from putting yourself out there it will take that excuse it will build that story and it will build upon that story so when you see one of your friends pouring a nice foundation of self-pity and negativity for to, to build their castle on you got to figure out a way to to subvert that i think it's a super important thing to recognize and help each other with well that was so funny about you were talking to jake the other day and you're like one of the things jake says is that you know after our podcast and he kind of shared his story publicly um that a lot of people are coming to him and saying like how do i you know i'm having a hard time yeah he's, he's like i've become a counselor ever since i did your podcast he put himself out there he talked about his lowest moment yeah, but what is he? What is the first question he asks people? Do you meditate? And they say, "Oh no, no, no! I couldn't. I, it's that's not for me. That's not, no, not not me, not me." So, what kind of disservice are you doing yourself? Well, the whole idea is that like that is like probably the best thing you can do for yourself, and that's what he would recommend to people before and anything. Mm-hmm. And because you don't need anything to do it, you know. You and you anything. literally are wading through the shit, the stories, the yeah, um, the unhooking from a certain level of awareness. And, Bearing witness, and, too. Like. And, and talk about catching big fish, you know. Um, that's uh, David Lynch's book about TM. You know, he, he's like a big part of the trans, uh, Transcendental uh, Meditation Foundation. That's what he does. He says that, you know, the deeper you go and the more often you go into meditation that you can listen for not like okay you get one spark of an idea and you could like pull that one up or you could just like let that one pass and then get it get a deeper fish a bigger fish yeah. you know yeah you watch his work and you can see he did that totally totally to the point where some of this stuff is like i can't process this i can't understand it my heart feels it i'm feeling all the feelings but i on uh on, on this plane i don't know what's going on in this movie right <laughs> yeah no i'm not even the biggest david lynch fan i think it's a little dark for my heart but um yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still he's obviously a very respected artist he's i mean some of the songs that he's helped <sighs> birth or does he write the songs like how yeah. does he writes these fucking kill i'm like wait fuck directing like you're a musician man you know what i mean but he's all of it he's a painter he's a musician well and he's and, a filmmaker yeah like our friend forrest who did that amazing painting with the the tiger he like sent these incredible songs over quarantine and we're like oh my god he had never made music before and he came over here one day to drop this painting off and we said uh we're like yeah we're gonna try to make an ep by the end of the month <laughs> musically we don't know how to play music at all and we're like we're doing a ep by the end of the month challenge yeah. with a few friends and he actually did it and he did it he was the only one that did it <laughs> yeah we like we're like wait we don't even and he's sending us these songs and we were like holy shit dude this was just lying dormant in you and all we did was kind of give you permission to go there and he used us as the muse and wrote this ep yeah and that's such a reminder because he was like not feeling painting for a minute and he did that 
in lieu of painting and mm. that's kind of like kind of the reminder i'm feeling the calling is that like all right maybe you're not feeling particularly inspired in your medium of choice but just keep the energy moving try something else try mm. painting try singing a song try writing lyrics you know yeah i creating over consuming you know it's it's what we're about to go into a lot of time that we have there's as long even with the days being shorter there's a lot of time in a day mm-hmm. and how do you want to remember using it what do you how do you want to look back on this time oh i saw that series that i can't even remember i'm not saying that we're you know don't watch tv but it's like is that the dominant thing you want to remember about yeah like your you, time? you know how like they say your life flashes before your eyes when you're about to die mm-hmm. like is your life going to flash before your eyes and it's going to be a bunch of fucking doom scrolling and mindless consumption of media and uh, stuff that you couldn't even remember. Yeah. Are you going to create something shitty and like, no, you do remember it though. That's the thing. What you remember is the drug like feeling that comes over you when you do it. We put on a good movie. It's like fucking heroin. Oh my God, I'm so inspired. I'm like, I want to write a movie. I have a script in my head. I'm ready. Yeah. Like, let it flow, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just, I'm so, like like Noah, I think we're just so self-loving at this stage in our life because why be any other way? Like, I've been the self-serious, self-critical version of myself and she kind of sucks. Oh, and yeah, no yeah. one finds pleasure in me hating myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't help anyone. Yeah, is that how you want to represent yourself to the world? Like, a whole bunch of negative stories and everything. It's like, no. And it takes time. Like, you just have to, like, it's you slowly replace these thought seeds, and you just plant better seeds. And a yeah. garden's not going to grow overnight, but the better seeds you plant, the better garden you'll get. Yeah. And, you know, if you're th- planting ugly seeds, you're going to bear ugly fruit, you yeah. know? So. I, th- I think all this comes down to... I don't know, probably the number one thing in my life is just being a good listener. Because when when you're a good listener, you can start to see the muse and hear the muse everywhere. Right. It's You realize it's coming at you from all angles and that it's an inside job. It's coming from the inside, outside, every which way. When you're listening. Yeah. When you're not consumed with your own stories with your own hurdles that you've put in your own way. You know, one of the things Jake told me is he's, he's good friends with this guy, Rich Roll, who's like this, uh, plant-based, um, athlete, like super inspirational guy. And Rich Roll says like, if one more person asks me what type of shoes do I need to buy so I can start running, I'm going to fucking lose it on them. Yeah. Because the truth is get out there, and run a mile every day for a week. And then you tell me what kind of shoes you need. Right. Because you don't fucking need anything to do this stuff. You don't yeah. need anything. Well, that's that's like with documentary. I'm like, anyone who has written us in the past, I'm like, oh, you got a cell phone? Cool. Like, make a movie, man. Like, I you know. got this. Like, it's, it's not know. that far away. Like, some of the most... Um, the technology today is so advanced from where it was 20, 30 years ago that... Yeah. You don't realize you have a movie-making device in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And if you think you want to make movies, make a movie and yeah. like see, learn from that experience, you know? But, but what those people are saying to us in actuality is, I'm not inspired. I'm motivated. I'm ambitious, but I'm not inspired. Because anyone asking me 
if they finally somehow get my ear and I pay attention to them and their question is what kind of camera and lenses do you use? I'm like, okay, you're just basically telling me you're not inspired. Yeah. That's all you're saying that you want to know the shortcut. You think that the shortcut to me making you feel something through my movie was the camera and lenses I chose. And I think that's why we've made movies on our cell phone now. And and want to make more ones. And people ask me, what camera and lens did you use? Uh, iPhone 6S. <laughs> okay, so what's your excuse now? iPhone 6S. I bet you have a more advanced cell phone than I do. Yeah. So what's your excuse? How come you're not inspiring me? Yeah. How come you can't admit that my shit just made you feel something that you hadn't felt before and that there is no reason to attribute this to technology. Yeah. I mean, I so believe that, that it's hard. It's easy to get hard on yourself because I've realized like, what's your excuse? What's my excuse for not writing the song? You know, what's my excuse for not sitting down and writing the lyrics or feeling the music? I just am like, all right, well, that's what I need to devote myself to is creating Mm -hmm. more space for that, garden to bloom for the muse to come visit me to realize that I think we've talked about this on the podcast before like you want to create a, a receptive temple that this yes. this elusive muse will be like she's a good person to come to because yeah. these ideas aren't necessarily self-generated they they come to us they they're they're the artists talk about it as a visitation often or someone like whispering in their shoulder or, or like a gift that comes yeah and in order to receive that gift you have to create space Mm -hmm. to do that you know and um so it's it's one of those things that i'm i'm like such an optimist i'm like i feel so good all the time because even when i'm not creating i'm like well it's my own fault you know what i mean like yeah it's my own fault like i can shift things i can stop doing this like i can create space because i've touched just enough glory like i'm not a songwriter but i've written a song yeah and there's part of me that gets like a little heartbroken that i've only written that one song and that we didn't finish our ep but then there's part of me that's so feel so good because i'm like all right that's there mm-hmm. i know it's there it's like seeing a peek behind the curtain yeah it's like i've seen a peek behind the curtain like i have the capacity to let music flow out of me and write a song when you've created the space yeah and if i'm not doing that i only have myself to blame and i kind of love that yeah you know the, the thing that the uh, one of the challenges and everything we're talking about is creating the space for yeah. the muse to come and visit you is is having your temple in working order so she can come and bless you with the next big thing. Cause I think creating that space is often where someone has to make the hard decision to turn away from comfort, to turn away from the job that is obviously pulling their spirit out of alignment to shed the boyfriend who is borderline abusive and manipulating them. Mm-hmm. And you're caught up in their games to, um, whatever it is to stop eating like shit, to exercise more, to start a meditation practice. Those, the, the, the process of creating space. Like I really do. I think of it like, like bringing a bulldozer in to like a city of bullshit that you've created and just saying, I'm going to knock over this building that I've fucking built and decorated over my lifetime. I'm going to take that down. I'm going to clear out some of these people and those energies. And I'm going to make the space for something bigger and better to happen for me. And it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen right away. But you will feel the shift in energy right away. I mean, and if it was easy, wouldn't everyone be doing it? 
You know what I mean? Like, if you're listening to this podcast and you made it this far, you obviously want us to be giving you this pep talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? So receive it, you know? Well, I mean, I think that's where it ties back into sobriety. It's like, uh, cool, are are we stagnating and using these chemical portals uh, as a crutch? Like what's it what's it going to be like without them? Let's try let's try a month of clearing that space and seeing if we can catch a big fish and have the clarity to know that and to do something about it. This is my relationship with weed. With okay. weed? No, I'm just going to share it. It's not serious, but with weed, I get flooded with so many fucking ideas. Yeah. And creative thoughts and and it, I was so grateful when we smoked we'd gone like over a week and then we had this day where we smoked like half a joint and went for a walk and I was like wow like I'm humbled grounded creative it's a shift in consciousness that is like very um welcome and necessary and I'm glad I didn't have some ridiculous idea that I needed to go to a month mm-hmm. to like yeah d- abstain yeah but I do realize that part of an idea and an idea coming to fruition is holding it like you need to hold that idea. You need to nurse that idea. You need to devote yourself to that idea. Yeah. Otherwise, there's other ideas. And if that wasn't maybe if you can't hold that idea, you're going to find that, oh, I had this idea, but oh, someone else invented this thing or made that movie. It's because you didn't you were a vessel for that idea. It came to you, but you didn't nurture and hold that idea. Yeah. And I think my relationship with weed personally, that is, if I smoke every day. Or every night. I'm not saying I won't go back to doing this, but I have to be conscientious because I get, I let go of the last idea because I have a new idea, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. You're very much like that. I'm almost the opposite. Yeah. Like, I don't even like to speak my ideas unless it's something that I'm going to pursue doing. And it's almost like that's the litmus test for me. If I hear myself telling you or or saying it on this fucking thing or telling a friend, I'm like cool this must be an important one because i do have a lot of ideas but the ones that i don't want to be the type of person that fucking talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk and that, that's what motivated me to make so many movies so quickly because you started talking about them yeah i would have an idea i remember i had uh the idea to make a movie called the bowler and that's it that was it that was the idea nothing else other than i grew up around bowling alleys in new york Uh, there's fucking characters in there. They're kind of unlike anyone else. And it's just so fucking funny and unique and just gives me a certain uh, feeling. And I want to honor that. And I thought the bowler was like a really cool title, like a movie I would, I would click on. So I just started telling people that like, because people are always asking and it's almost kind of rude. Like what's your next project? Like, I always want to be like, fuck off. What's your next fucking project? (laughs) Yeah. That's so goddamn personal. Like, what are you fucking asking me right now? Like, you want me to strip down nude in front of you? You You want to see my dick? You got another one coming, baby? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you got, oh, you you got another one? Like, what if I was just like, I don't know. I'm not inspired right now. And it's motherfuckers like you that's keeping me not inspired. But, but, (laughs) you know, people are always asking me and that, that was only, the bowler was only my third movie. So like I had made these two movies that people were aware, like I was getting on a path and they're like, what's the next idea? And I would tell everyone the next one is, is called the bowler and it's about a bowling hustler. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know how to make that or who that was, but I told enough people that eventually a friend of mine called me up and he goes, dude, I fucking 
had a limo. Me and my brother rented a limo to go to a concert last night. And the limo driver was your guy. <laughs> yeah. The limo driver was the bowler man. And, and it's not like they were prompting him or anything. The limo driver, Rocky Salemo, is driving these guys to the concert and just talking his shit and talking about all the fucking people he's hustled and the scams he's pulled and all just like the bowling alley bullshit. And our friend Stone is like listening to this guy and just thinking, this is Sean's dude. Introduces me to the, to him the next day. Literally, he was like, you got to meet this guy, Rocky. And I'm like, his name's Rocky? First of all, yeah, I got to meet him. Fucking, we go over to um, the gutter. And I'm waiting. I'm having a beer, waiting for these guys to show up. Fucking door, door swings open. In comes Rocky. And I was like, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even fucking say a word. I saw him from across the room. And I was like, that's the guy. This is my next movie. Like Some people just have that. Some people have it. I saw it. And I was like, good Lord. I could fucking make this movie about you. And we were making the movie like a couple weeks later like like and, and just this simple i don't want to overthink it like like it was just it here it is i've been thinking about this idea for a while i know aesthetically how i want to portray this and this guy just came along and he's gonna fill in the rest such a good movie yeah that well, was the last thing i made before we started collaborating um there's it's there's the something bowler. There's, check it out yeah it's on youtube very youtube.com slash very um there's something to be said then about serving the muse and being like, I'm going to speak this and then she's going to come back. Like, I'm not going to be shy and say what I need because if you say what you need and you ask for it, yeah. you you asked your friends, the universe, like, send me this bowling guy. Mm-hmm. And there's no coincidence that he showed up, you know, because oh, yeah. you, you put it out there. Yeah. Uh, that's so great. You should read that Terrence McKenna quote. That reminds oh, cool. me. Yeah, I will. Pull this in. Um. This is so good. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Cass, do you want to be on camera for this? Uh, sure. Swing the computer around. Cool. I'll do it. Okay. Nature loves courage. You make the commitment, and nature will respond to the commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream, and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is the trick. This is what all these teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical gold, this is what they understood. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done, by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. Yeah. God, that's so good. Terrence just nails it every fucking time. Yeah, very inspiring. Very inspiring. Yeah, well, that, that goes to like what we we're talking about about being comfortable. You know, it's like comfort is uh, the enemy of of creativity in a lot of ways. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, because you you think, oh, I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna be so uncomfortable, and then the universe is like, I got you. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know how uncomfortable it was to fucking realize we blew our last money on making a movie called Fucking Florida Man. Like we blew our last money drifting around Florida making a plotless movie about street wisdom and that movie changed our life well and every movie does every well every movie does but like that one really i think deeply impacted our ability to even seek comfort you know you make something like that and people see it and they feel what you're putting out there 
and it's helped us get commercial gigs, which help us pay the bills. You know, I get a kind of a perverse satisfaction in that nothing is promised. So there's these people who have chosen the safe route, you know, the advertising job or whatever it is, the 401k and, and you know, everything. Yeah. And then they get fucking fired. Yeah. And it's like, okay, at least I've invested in myself and no one can fire me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot yeah. more pressure and it could be a little scarier at times. But for me, what would be scarier is kind of giving my wherewithal to someone else to make more money for someone else yeah. and then be like, hey, we're going to make some cuts. So, And then not being able maybe to get the job again because there's a global pandemic. I mean, yeah. I just, it's re reinforcing to me that at least for us, it's been people who have followed the muse and served the muse and devoted ourselves to being uncomfortable. It's like starting this podcast was extremely uncomfortable. It still is. Putting ourselves on now doing it on video is extremely uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's not really about, I mean, it is about me, but it's not really about me in the sense of like, it's about being uncomfortable. Like, okay, go space so camp. They talk about uncomfortable. That's not something that's not us. That's not something we would do. That that's like we. This is much more comfortable. We're just talking. But I to get each so other. bored. I'm sorry. I get so bored being comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. That's why we did Space Camp. Yeah. We were bored with the little comfort nest that we had made for ourselves here, and yeah. we're like, we gotta, we gotta fucking spread this out. We gotta take a chance, even if it's a fucking total failure. We have to take a chance. And I think what's happened since then, it's like we we took this chance. And because of G Gail's generosity with her property and mm -hmm. allowing us to come there and the space she holds, we met all these incredible people. And it's just given me, uh, it's it's really a reminder because it's been there all along, but I needed this reminder that just that love is everywhere mm -hmm. and that the inspiration is everywhere. And it's a matter of you just, you're not going to change the landscape, but you can change the lens continually. And you can change the lens to where you're picking up on this stuff. Totally. Where you're feeling the love everywhere, where you're feeling the inspiration. And that way, when the muse does come and sit on your shoulder mm -hmm. and whisper a sweet little ditty in your ear, mm -hmm. that you can be a good vessel for it. That you can get it out and manifest it into the world and help help other people do the same. Well, that's why this feel like this podcast conversation feels so selfish to me because I feel like if I've inspired anyone or if we've inspired anyone by just talking about the importance of art and valuing your artistic capacity and expression that if I get to see it, mm. if I if it somehow then exists in the world and then I get to be a recipient or an audience to it, it's like, "Thank you." Oh, yeah. This is like a more beautiful universe and yeah. very special because you're you're so unique and your perspective is so um, one of a kind and important. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing. It is selfish because it's like me reminding people that they're artists is selfish because I want to see their art. Yeah. Because I, I not only want to see it, I need to see it. Mm -hmm. I need to see it to keep my shit going. Yeah. And we need to not stagnate. And as a community, we need to not allow ourselves to do that. Mm -hmm. And whatever the expression is, small or large, making movies is a big expression. And it, and it takes a lot out of us. It really does. You know, that, thank God we found this medium. Yeah, this is like a whole new art project. It's like we, I'm not saying that we're not going to make movies. Obviously, we're trying to make movies. We're trying to. Hell yeah, send a prayer for us. We're pitching to Netflix on Tuesday. We just had a good pitch with Discovery Channel. And we're trying to make a series 
or a film called Can't Go Home about homelessness. Okay. Yeah, we're putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, yeah no. we we definitely we're we're trying to make something called Can't Go Home. It's something we've wanted to make for years. And it's something that I feel like we're ready to make. It's something that's been near and dear to our heart for a long time. We've had this idea for a long time and, and the approach that we want to take. But I feel like in order to honor these voices and to really truly shift people's consciousness, we need a little more resources than what we would normally approach a project with. I mean, not only do we need resources, we need an audience. Um, that's the thing. And that's We the need thing. to know that people will see this. That's why instead of just doing it and putting it on YouTube like we do with the bowler or American juggalo or Florida man or cam girls. And it's like, yeah, people will find it when they need to find it. This is so important that it's like, no, millions of people need to see this as it comes out because that's how urgent this is. Well, also when it's, uh, I feel like you can't get the same viewership you used to be able to, I'm not trying to be defeatist, but it, it obviously is a different kind of world. And it's like not a thing, reason to feel sad for yourself. It's a reason to just get more creative. And, uh, there's no barrier between, us and an audience we just need the resources to do it properly yeah yeah and and they're here they're here like the fact that we're even having these meetings speaks well to uh how our career's gone i hate that word career career i'm not a careerist i'm an artist and that's the thing i wasn't always an artist i was for a while a filmmaker but not an artist you know, do you know what I mean? You know the difference? Yeah, like when it, when it, when you, I mean, when you're saying something, I mean, when you're communicating something, when you're making people feel something. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when it's not about, when it, it's not motivated, it's very pure. It's, it's very pure. It's, it's not motivated by any bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's where right now with my painting, I'm like, I'm painting, but I'm not necessarily. I'm working towards communicating something bigger and making mm -hmm. people feel something right now. I'm just trying to like yeah. get the skills in place to, to have a larger vision. Yeah. So You're laying the groundwork. I hope so. Oh, for sure. I hope so. Yeah. Cool. This was fucking awesome. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for listening and move watching. Some, move some energy, send a prayer out for my sister, Caitlin and for he for her healing. Always. And, um, that, we have a number of projects out there, um, but that we can make can't go home. Yeah, and I want to send a prayer out to everyone who's listening that the the dreams you have and and the artistic vision that you have that it that it you move the energy and it, you make things come to fruition. And because yeah. we want to see it. Yeah. So get to work. In you the are an artist. You yeah. are an artist. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Peace and love, y'all. Peace and love.